بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا الحمد لله we are here back with a new episode and today we have with us uh, one of my best friends best friend we could say right <laughs> his older brother ما شاء الله أستاد هارس عبد الصمد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته how are you Alhamdulillah. <laughs> this is, uh, I, like I said before, it's it's kind of surreal to have a, have the older brother. <laughs> oh, but... There's another older one as well. Alhamdulillah. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Azair said, said it's impossible for me to get him on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you won't be able to get him. <laughs> I can find convince uh, him. <laughs> okay, okay, inshallah, we'll see. But Alhamdulillah, it's... Um, I've been really looking forward to this one because um, I know you have so much, you have you have a lot of experience with not just teaching, but also being a community member. Um, mm-hmm. And, and mashallah, I think it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where if you're not involved in the community and you're also seeking knowledge, then um, you're seeking knowledge, but then you're like leaking, you're letting everything in your bucket leak, right? Because you're not giving it out to people. Yeah, because the main the main purpose, and you could touch on this too, is like the main purpose of seeking knowledge, right? Is not just to hold it within you, yeah. right? But it's also to give it out. So, um, if you want to start, like, where did your journey start with becoming a community member? I think it started within your home, if I'm not. Yeah. So, as in, as you may know from uh, my younger brother, that, alhamdulillah, we we've come from a very practicing background. Uh, my father himself was a community member from a very long time mm. um, and that kind of we were kind of used to that you know uh, that culture if you like uh, so he used to be an imam in uh, in a masjid and he used to lead you know Jumu'ah he used to conduct nikah he used to teach uh, Quran uh, to children so he's always been involved involved in that and growing up we've seen that um, now, me personally, <clears throat> I I went to school, I went to a normal state school like everyone else, and um, I started getting involved in the community actually before I formally started seeking knowledge. Um, so I was doing my hiv with my father, and uh, in 2009, I believe, 2009, uh, this is after I finished my uh, normal secular studies uh, in, in school. Um, my father had to go to India, actually, uh, because his his father was, was very ill. He had cancer. Um, and at that time, he was an imam of a masjid. Now, I just left school, and uh, I was 17 at the time. And um, he you know, he was wondering if I go to India, he doesn't know how long he's going to be there. Um, Who's going to look after the masjid? Who's going to, you know, lead Jum'ah? Who's going to teach the children and so on and so forth? And at that time, I still haven't memorized the Quran, and uh, but I was free. I wasn't doing anything. I just left school. I was a bit lost in life as well. You know, at that age, you're kind of, (laughs) you know, you don't really know where you're going. (laughs) So, um, he advised me to, uh, you know, take his position basically, just substitute as a substitute uh, while he's away, uh, and until obviously he comes back. So when he went, I filled in his role at the masjid. So I started leading Jumu'ah, 
Um, and prior to that, I was leading Juma in my school anyway. Um, so, you know, that that way I kind of got a bit of experience leading Juma. But obviously it's not it's not the same leading Juma in a proper masjid uh, where you have, you know, so many people. Um, so I started leading Juma and teaching the kids and, you know, uh, leading Salah and so on and so forth. And that kind of pulled me into this field. Uh, as in prior to that, I had no interest at all. As in, I was going to become a Hafid. And, uh, but other than that, I didn't have any interest in studying Arabic. I didn't have any interest in studying Deen. My plan was actually to go into IT, funnily enough. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, uh, as in, but when I started, when I got involved in the community, I saw, you know, the benefits and I saw that there was, there was this, you know, self-fulfillment. Uh, helping people out, teaching people, you know, it's a very rewarding job, um, especially when you see the impact, you know, in people's lives. So that kind of pulled me into this field. And that's when I thought, you know what, this is, uh, uh, I'm actually really enjoying this, right? I'm enjoying the challenge of leading Juma, talking about different subjects. And at that time, I had no public speaking skills. So my, my Juma khutbahs were really dry, <laughs> very, very like scripted and, you know, so, uh, but that's how I got experience. Um, and obviously teaching kids and it was, it was a very, very, you know, beautiful, a beautiful experience. And that's what kind of gave me that firm intention uh, to uh, obviously, first of all, finish off my hiv and thereafter to go out and uh, to study uh, the Alimiya program. Um, so when my father came back, you know, Alhamdulillah, I spoke to him and uh, even after he came back, I continued helping me help him run the masjid. So I was teaching with him. I was giving giving him a hand, leading Salah, leading Juma, and so on and so forth. Um, and September 2010, I enrolled in a Darul Ulum in, uh, in, a, in a city called Leicester, uh, which is about two hour drive from London. Uh, I enrolled there, it was a full-time boarding school, um, and uh, my initial intention was to uh, do the entire Alimiya program, uh, but I decided that I just want to do HIV there. So I went there, did my HIV, alhamdulillah, and then I left and I joined Ibrahim College in East London. And that's where pretty much 95% of my studies were, alhamdulillah. So yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's how I kind of got into this field. That's insane. That's um, I think I and from what I know as well, like your dad yeah. is very uh, he he pushes all of you to be honest, all of you to to be the leaders and like push you to outside, way outside of your comfort zone. Oh yeah, like, it's, it's, not, it's not even imaginable. So yeah. I and I think my dad has that in common too. Like he, <laughs> the first time he uh i used to be like uh more than um just you know here and there uh i didn't do anything other than that so he used to push me to the front of the masjid and when i was like 11 years old right and he just always told me just make that do it then do the then do the then and like the first time i was most nervous okay obviously and look at like you're just this little kid and the same thing and then you push forward and realize later in life like if my dad hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to now, alhamdulillah, lead salah, right? And do all these things and, and do the khutbahs and public speaking and these things. Because like, you can't, and, and they teach it like now as a class in uh, college and universities, all these things. They teach it public speaking, 
But then when you look at it, when somebody like your father pushes you to do the public speaking right there, that's the course. That's the entire course. Exactly. You don't need to learn any of the theory of enunciation, of of having a script and, and eye contact. No, no, no. You do it all there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As, as, you learn from your mistakes and that, that's how I learned, you know, people's feedback, because especially, you know, uh, like I said, at that time, I was only 17 years old. So I was still a, I was still a kid. Um, and uh, so, and, and a lot of the people who I used to lead, they used to know my father and they used to know me and they've seen me growing up, right? They've seen me growing up in front of their own eyes and now obviously I'm leading them in Salah and I'm giving them khutbah. So, you know, they used to encourage me as well. You know, they used to give me positive words. They used to give me positive feedback. Um, but sometimes they used to give me, you know, uh, uh, constructive criticism as well. Uh, and that kind of really helped me as well. Do you understand? And obviously I had the other shuyukh around me. So, you know, in this area, there's there's one sheikh in particular, uh, one imam. Uh, and he's he's kind of been my idol from day one. Um, because, you know, if, if someone was to ask me what inspired you to actually seek knowledge in the first place, other than the you know, the circumstance that I was in. Um, so I would, I would actually pinpoint it at this individual. Uh, when I was, when I was, uh, around uh, 15 years old, 14 years old, you know, a young, a young kid, a teenager growing up in the West, you know how it is, right? Um, with all of the fitting around you, all of the trials and the tribulations around you, all of the distractions around you. Um, obviously, at that time, I was still doing my hivd, and he was actually one of my teachers for some time. Uh, so I used to go to him every day in the evening. I used to recite my Quran to him. I used to do my muraja with him. Um, and he would, he was always very kind. And, and this is what really amazed me about him. And it, it kind of inspired me so much because... I was used to, you know how it is, right, in, in the cultural sense that yeah. you have certain, you know, imams who are not as welcoming as others, right? Um, but this particular imam, he was always welcoming. He was always, and even though he's such a senior figure in the community, you know, everyone, everyone loves him, he still would always give me attention. And, and that's what amazed me. Right. And he, he would like you, you said your father used to push you to give adhan. He used to push me to give adhan in the masjid. And, and it's a big masjid, right? It's a very big masjid. Um, and even like other community members would think that why, you know, who is he to give adhan? He's only a young kid, right? I've been giving adhan all my life, right? Why is the imam telling him to give the adhan? Um, and that really, you know, it really gave me this strong connection with him. And even till today, subhanAllah, I still have a very strong connection with him. I see him as like my idol, my mentor. Um, and alhamdulillah, he really pushed me in ways that he himself didn't realize. So I used to sit in all of his durus as well. Whenever he used to give a hadith dars, a tafsir dars, I used to sit in his dars. I used to, I used to think to myself sometimes, you know what, he's, he's a really amazing person i would love to be like him one day right mm. even though i had no intention of studying i had no intention of going into this field um but yeah as in subhanallah fast forward 10 11 12 years and here i am and i, I and i actually remind him you know that do you remember the days i used to come and i used mm. to recite to you and used to give me that platform and I, and i actually tell him that you are actually the reason why i went to study in the first place you are actually my inspiration um, but as always, he subhanAllah always denies it. But yeah, it shows, it actually shows the importance of good character. That anyone who wants to seek knowledge, 
you need to find a mentor, an idol who is much more senior than you, that will not only guide you when needed to be guided, but also that will give you that love, that attention, and that will mold you to being the figure that you want to become. Um, it reminds me actually of the story of Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah. Um, if you study why Abu Hanifa became Imam Abu Hanifa, the famous Imam that we know, we'll find that it was actually because of an individual. So he had an individual as well. He had an inspiration. He had that that point where he thought, thought you know what, I want to be like him as well. And who, what, what's the story? The story is of uh, a man by the name of Imam Sha'bi. Imam Sha'bi, rahimahullah, he was a tabi'i, a uh, very senior figure. And one day he was walking in the in the market and he saw Abu Hanifa, because Abu Hanifa in his early life, he was a businessman. And he saw him, you know, engaging in trade. So he went to Abu Hanifa and imagine this is so random. He's never met this individual before. He goes to Abu Hanifa and he says, um, he says, that stick to uh, knowledge and the companionship of the scholars. Why? Because I see talent inside of you. I see sharpness inside of you, right? Mm. I see intelligence. He never studied, he never never studied before, before, right? Never studied before. Now, subhanAllah, this is like, you know, Imam Sha'bi rahimahullah giving him positive feedback. And this is like a great lesson that we learn. If you want to inspire youngsters, it's important that you give them positivity, positive feedback. When they have done good, you praise them. If they are talented, you recognize that talent. And look how just one sentence of Imam Sha'bi, right, changed the entire life of Imam Abu Hanifa and obviously changed the entire way that we understand fiqh today. Yeah, exactly. SubhanAllah. That, that story, um, uh, the first time I heard it, I was, I was shocked that the amount of the amount of encouragement it takes it is not much the, it just takes a few a sentence a, a few words yep. and then that could change the course of history as we know it subhanallah yeah definitely definitely and and this shows the the importance of now uh talaqti, right talaqti is when you know you take from a teacher and you take not only their knowledge but you take their characteristics and their character uh, and, and I have a question. How important is it for you to find a teacher that not only has ilm, but has adab? Um, very good question. To be honest, as in, I kind of got lucky, right? As in, hmm. when I went to Ibrahim College, I heard a lot of good things. So I guess the first thing that a person needs to do is research, right? If you're going to study under a scholar, you have to do your own research. Now, obviously you can only do so much research because you as a person cannot critique his knowledge because you don't have knowledge in the first place, right? However, what I would say is you should obviously see his qualifications, uh, who, has, who he has studied under. Um, so doing research as much as possible is very important before enrolling in an institution, enrolling uh, to study under a particular sheikh. Um, so who is that sheikh? What is he about? What do other students say about him, right? And th that's a big sign for me is how many students does he have and what is the characteristics of his students, right? If the students themselves are, you know, bad, have bad character, 
and uh, you know they're not ideal Muslims, ideal students of knowledge, then you know that that should be alarms, alarm bells ringing. Obviously, you will get even you know with good teachers, you will get a few students here and there that don't live up to that knowledge. Okay, um, so yeah, I think with me that has, that has always helped me. All right, to look at the students of that sheikh. So yeah. Uh, subhanallah. Um, I think the first time I ever um, went and I talked about this last episode where the first time I wanted to start seeking knowledge, I just um, uh, I got up and I just went to the masjid because <laughs> like I didn't I didn't have anything. Right. I was a, I was a YouTube scholar. As I, say. I, was, I was looking on YouTube for uh, <laughs> for knowledge. Yeah. Um, and my teachers were from the UK. <laughs> you know, they were the their speakers corner, and that, yeah. that was my teachers. And and subhanallah, and I think this is, a, and and you know, we, we joke and and how we we come back from that. But then there's still people that are in that cycle. Now, the people that are seeking knowledge and saying they're seeking knowledge by watching YouTube videos, um, what should we what should we advise people that do this? I think, the, see, the problem is that because technology has pretty much taken over our lives, mm. um, it's actually very difficult now to stay away from YouTube, social media, because now if you, if you go to social media, you'll see that it is full of uh, you know, promoting their work, giving advice, conducting lectures yeah, or on their live streams and so on and so forth. But I think it's all about understanding what knowledge is. I think this is where everyone goes wrong because there's one sheikh from India who says, uh, he, he defines knowledge and he says, knowledge is that which increases with the decrease of sin, right? Mm. So as in the problem, I, I believe that the problem is the reason why people resort to YouTube and uh, you know uh, the internet for seeking of knowledge is because people have mixed up knowledge and information, right? Mm -hmm. You can memorize, you know, millions of mutun, right? Texts and poetry and hadith and memorize the entire Quran and memorize, you know, X amount of books. But that knowledge is of no use if it's not going to translate into your life. Yeah, yeah. You understand? And this, and this is the issue. People have mixed up knowledge and information. And this is why they think, okay, if I watch a YouTube video, um, Yes, of course, no one is saying that you're not going to benefit. You will definitely benefit. And there's definitely perks of, you know, studying uh, by lectures on YouTube, but that should not be your only source of knowledge. That should be more of like a, a backup uh, or to enhance what you already know. The foundation should always be studied under the feet of scholars because this is how knowledge has always been uh, imparted. And uh, this is when the true essence of knowledge is going to come into your life. And that is the information aspect, but also the amal aspect, right? Uh, the tarbiyah aspect. And uh, people, uh, people make this uh, big mistake of uh, differentiating between tarbiyah and knowledge, right? Why shouldn't you differentiate between tarbiyah and knowledge? Without tarbiyah, your knowledge is of no use, right? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he, one of his main duties was what Allah says, right? to teach them the knowledge and the wisdom. Now, obviously, there's so much, you know, explanation and difference of opinion be between the Mufassin regarding what hikmah refers to. But even if we 
put all of the difference of opinion to one side and let us take the literal linguistic meaning of hikmah, which is wisdom. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pair up teaching of the book with wisdom? Because teaching of the book, the book, the kitab, the Quran, the verses of ahkam, for example, you know, uh, rulings, that, that's information. Allah is telling you, you know, if X, Y, Z happened, then you have to, you know, do X, Y, Z, right? Allah is telling, Allah is giving us guidance. So that is information that we are now processing. But then the hikmah is how to apply that knowledge. In what circumstance can you apply that knowledge? What is the context of that? How, how is that knowledge applied in your society? All right. So this is where tarbiyah comes in. And this is something that one of the biggest things I have learned in my journey of seeking knowledge um, is the importance of tarbiyah. Tarbiyah is so important. You know, I've, I've seen in my little life, alhamdulillah, I'm still young, um, <laughs> but I, I have seen that um, many people have sought knowledge and they're very, very knowledgeable, right? Very, very knowledgeable. And you've got to commend them for that, right? They, they've memorized so many uh, you know, Mutun, they've, they've memorized poetry, they've memorized so many books and so on and so forth. But unfortunately, and obviously I'm no one to judge, but we have to judge based on what's apparent and it has an impact on the society. And this is why we need to talk about it. Unfortunately, the way they carry themselves in society, forget in society, the way they carry themselves within their homes, right, is not that of a person of knowledge. Whereas if you look at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa who is the best of examples, he not only had knowledge, not only was he, as they say in Arabic, wahi, right, the spring of revelation, but he was also a person who was a normal individual in society, living a normal human being life. He used to serve his, his family. He used to help out in the house. He used to help out in the society. He used to help the needy. He used to help the poor. But at the same time, he would also give khutbahs. He would also teach the uh, people about Islam. He would also give da'wah, right? So he was an all-rounder. And this is what a student of knowledge needs to become. So it's not just about the knowledge, the information. It's also about your own personal development. You as a person, your characteristics, are they developing with your knowledge? If they're not, then we need to question why we're seeking knowledge. And it reminds me of a, a statement of Abdullah ibn Mubarak, rahimahullah, who says that we studied adab, if I'm not mistaken, he said, if we, we studied adab for 20 years, hmm. and then we started seeking knowledge, hmm. right? And, and it reminds me of a hadith where, the, where one of the companions said that we studied the Iman before we studied the Quran. Hmm. And when we studied the Quran, he increased us in Iman. Yeah. yeah. Right? So as in, uh, that, that goes back to that point, right? Tarbiyah is everything. The whole purpose of knowledge is to enhance your tarbiyah. Yeah, the Quran, it's it's one of those it's one of those gems of this world that we we haven't even scratched the surface yet. Yeah, definitely. Now, with with the Quran, it comes um, the the and the concept of tilaqi also comes into this where yeah. tajweed comes in, and I love I love talking about tajweed. So, yeah. and I know you guys. All of you, mashallah, all the brothers in the Abdul Samad house are <laughs> masters, to be honest. No, I wouldn't say Alhamdulillah Uzair is, but we, Alhamdulillah, are still faqir. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, uh, it's truly amazing. Allahumma barik. And um, 
we have countless conversations, me and uh, me and Azair, on uh, the the concept of uh, lack of knowledge in Tajweed, and wh why is Tajweed so um, emphasized by us, but then it's not seen as something serious, right? Um, it, it really isn't, right? And and I think it's uh, it's sad to an extent because people are like, oh, you know, uh, you're still gonna go into Jannah if you can't pronounce the Fatiha right and I'm like well okay but then it's like where does where do you where do you tell someone that you have to recite correctly to continue the tradition of transmission right so where where does someone and for someone that's wants to better their Quran recitation with Tajweed where should they start um and what is the what is the line of those that reject tajweed, right? What, what is these two things? Well, I, I think first of all, it goes back to the whole uh, lack of motivation in seeking knowledge in the first place, uh -huh. right? So it goes back to two things actually. Number one is what I said, yeah. So lack of motivation when it comes to seeking knowledge. So people don't even like the the general Muslim. I can say this for sure, especially in my area. Uh, I can't speak for the entire UK, um, but especially in my area, uh, West London, um, uh, many people don't even, they're not even aware of how much knowledge Islam possesses. Mm. And, th and this is the issue, right? They've never been attracted to Islam. Their relationship with the deen is, you know, they they'll attend the Friday khutbah and that's about it, right? Uh, now, obviously, again, we're not here to judge anyone, but the motivation isn't even there to study knowledge. The, 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 the recognition that Islam holds so much knowledge is not even there. So I think, I think that's the, one of the biggest problems, right? And then, uh, so when, if the motivation is not there, then what happens is that they won't even feel that, 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 that they, I, I still remember, subhanAllah, uh, once I was giving khutbah in my local masjid, and I was starting a Tajweed course. So after the khutbah, I made an announcement and uh, I said, you know, brothers, we're starting a, uh, a Tajweed course. Uh, and, and I talked a bit about, you know, the, the importance of Tajweed. Uh, and I said, by the way, who knows what Tajweed is? Raise your hands. Now, this is a big masjid, right? We're talking about a good six, 700 people in this masjid. And wallahi, right, Allah's my witness, a handful of people only raised their hands when I asked what is Tajweed. Obviously there may be others but that were too shy to raise their hands, but let's just say, you know, out of the 600 people that were there, even if only 100 people raised their hands, now you tell me, is that good or bad? Obviously that's bad, right? Do you understand? So this, this is the biggest problem in my opinion. The biggest, the, the biggest problem is knowledge, but then once you, let's say now, for example, a person, has understood the importance of knowledge. And now he wants to start seeking knowledge. So now the second problem that we have when it comes to uh, Tajweed and knowledge in general is lack of guidance. Yeah, lack of guidance. What do I mean by that? A person who wants to seek knowledge, when you get that spark, yeah, you probably know what I'm talking about, that spark, that passion, that zeal, as they call it, to seek knowledge, that raghba, as we say in Arabic, yeah, that attraction to seek knowledge that can be easily misguided by shaitan if shaitan does not 
I mean, if, if a person does not have a person to guide him when it comes to seeking knowledge, right, it can be very problematic. Now, what do I mean by guide? There has to be a systematic way in approaching knowledge, okay? If a person has, prior to him embarking on, the, on this journey of seeking knowledge, has never ever had any relationship with Islam in terms of uh, academics, right, academically, um, then he won't, uh, he won't know where to navigate, how to navigate himself. So you can imagine him in a forest without a compass, without, you know, uh, a, a smartphone where he can use Google Maps, uh, without any technology whatsoever, how is he going to navigate in the forest? He's going to get lost. He's going to be overwhelmed. He's going to give up. And this is what happens with many people. I've seen many people in my experience, many students who have studied with me, I've given them, the, them, them this advice. Some have taken it on, and alhamdulillah, been very successful. Others have not taken it on, and now they haven't reached anything. They haven't sought knowledge, right? They gave up. So guidance is very important. You need a person who is going to guide you, who's going to make you a plan, who's going to make you a system in seeking knowledge. And if you go to anyone, any person, any scholar, any sheikh uh, who you want to go to, to guide you in seeking knowledge, the first thing they will say is that you need to study the Quran. Yeah, you need to study Tajweed. That is the most important thing. And even if you look in the life of the pious predecessors, the first thing they did was what? They studied the Quran, they memorized the Quran. And thereafter, they studied Arabic and so on and so forth. There has to be a systematic, systematic approach. Obviously, there has to be a balance as well, because we have to, along with the Quran, is also equally important. Obviously, this is dependent upon age as well. It's equally important to study all of the other uh, aspects of deen that are fardain. Yeah? yeah, like your fiqh and your aqidah and your seerah and so on and so forth. The basics, yeah. right? So this is why when when a when a person comes to me and says, you know, I want to study with you, my first question to them is, what is your objective? Where do you want to get to? If you know the destination, we can make a we can make a map, right? We can we can draw up a route to that destination. If you don't even know what the destination is, then we're just going to be going here, there, everywhere, and uh, you don't know when are you going to drop out. You know, uh, you don't know where the destination is. You're just going to be going and walking in the dark, right? So my advice to all students of knowledge is, where is your destination? Where do you want to get to? If you want to reach an advanced student of knowledge, no problem, right? A route needs to be drawn. You know, you need to be able to be guided in the correct way so that you can navigate yourself to that destination. Mm. Okay, so this is the, these are the two problems, I believe. Uh, now, when you start studying, so let's say now you've got the motivation of seeking knowledge, you've embarked on the journey, you have a guide who is guiding you in the correct way. Now you are starting to study Tajweed, you are starting to study Quran, you have, let's say, uh, studied Tajweed, you can recite the Quran with Tajweed, you memorized, uh, let's say, the entire Quran, you've memorized the entire Quran. Mm. The journey still shouldn't stop there when it comes to Tajweed in, in particular, all right? You should always be in a state where if you you should be reciting to someone. If you cannot recite to someone, then you should be reciting the Quran regularly, right? Not for the purpose of spirituality only, but what we call mashq in Urdu, right? Mashq, mm. right? Where, which basically just means practice, yeah? For the sake of practicing the perfection of your tajweed. Because no one's tajweed is perfect, 
right? Anyone who says that my tajweed is perfect, no one can say that. The only person's tajweed that was perfect was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Do you understand? Yeah. So everyone's tajweed needs refining. Everyone's tajweed, uh, you know, there's so many times where I'm leading salah, right? And when I'm leading salah, I'm thinking, oh, no, I should have, you know, I made that mistake. I made this yeah. mistake. I'm criti critiquing my own recitation. Yeah. And these, these are, perp uh, you know, my teachers used to emphasize this so much. They used to critique our station so much that we used to be, always be doubtful. You know, am I saying this correctly? Am I saying that correctly? Mm. And one of the most life-changing experiences for me when it came to Tajweed, you may have seen this video on YouTube. Yeah, when I read Qadi Bashir. Yeah, Qadi Bashir. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, so I, I that, was, that was back in uh, 2012, yeah? yeah? Or 2011, sorry. Um, oh, and... That was a terrifying experience. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, it, it really changed the way I looked at Tajweed. And yeah. really, even though I've only recited to Qari Bashir twice in my life, uh, I wish I could have recited more, but I just don't get the chance. Normally when he comes to London, he's never in, he never comes to my area. He yeah. always comes to East London, which is always a mission getting to East London because London mm. is, you know, very busy. Um, and then he, he'll he go up north. So it's, it's very difficult to... Uh, to get a chance to read to him. Um, but I've only read to him twice. I read to him once at Ibrahim College when he visited. And when I went for Umrah, I, I, I recited to him in Medina. Um, oh. And those two experiences were, again, life-changing for me, right? They really helped me so much in, in the way I look at Tajweed and in my own recitation. So yeah, uh, being, and, and one of the things that I, learn from that is the importance of sitting with the elders right that the importance of sitting with the elderly people of knowledge so you have people of knowledge who are young right uh, but then you have people of knowledge who are you know very old very senior 70 80 years old those are the shuyukh that every student of knowledge should be hunting and should take the opportunity when they can to sit with them because they have a wealth of experience that you can never achieve until you get that age, right? Yeah. They will give you, they will be able to give you advice that no other sheikh, no matter how knowledgeable he may be, will not be able to give you advice because they have what? They have knowledge, but now they have a life experience as well. Hmm. They have that tarbiyah element that we were talking about. Yeah. And that's what I learned, subhanAllah. When I was yeah. with Qari Bashir, uh, I went for Umrah with my teachers in 2012. And that's when I read to him the second time. And not only did I recite to him, we spent a lot of time with Qari Bashir. And that whole kind of Medina journey, the Medina aspect of my Umrah was all revolving around Qari Bashir, right? Literally our yeah. lives were revolving. And it was amazing, you know, being in his company, uh, eating with him, sitting with him, joking with him, walking with him. It was beautiful. Every step of the way we learned so much. Um, and it shows the importance of being in the company of the, the elderly scholars. Uh, and I think um, in in terms of being with a, a teacher and how it impacts your life, I think if we look at, and he was on the podcast uh, like a way back, Ustad Jamal. Yeah. Uh, his his experience with Sheikh Abdul Rashid Sufi was, yeah. it, it was for him, he said like, he, it, he said it was pre-decreed by Allah because there was no way that it would be like otherwise possible. And like with the meeting of these people, um, and like, just just meeting them, it's you think it's a coincidence, but it's 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 preset by Allah. Yeah. Right. And and the level that they're at, you know, you never thought that you could get there, um, but you know, you just Allah Subhanahu wa Taala allows you to meet them. 
so I used to have this one page uh, on Instagram, like way back when I was like 16. Um, and and it was uh, it was a reciting page. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. And um, I it, it really played with my intentions. Now, uh, when that happened, uh, and I put that page up and everything and I was putting up posts and everything. And uh, I was in, I was doing my hips, I was doing just 29. It took me around seven weeks to do Surah Qalam uh, because now I then I sat down with my teacher I was like why is it taking me so long and he was telling me uh, you know you might have like Nazar meaning like you might have like Al-Ain who knows and you know I told him I was like well I mean I have Instagram and I post my recitations and he was like delete it I was like what he was like delete the account and I was like, why? He was like, delete the account. He didn't care. He didn't care about anything. He said, delete the account. I deleted the account. The next day, I memorized Surah Qalam in 20 minutes. SubhanAllah. So, so look at the impact that this, this persona that I had, had on my hips. And not just hips, like your general well-being, <laughs> okay? Um, and when you put yourself out there... Um, and even now, uh, the listeners that are listening, they, I used to have this page of just all reminders and just, you know, all these things, posts about, you know, this, 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 this. I deleted it all because there was a point in my place where I was like, first of all, I need to learn a little more and yeah. I need to continue to learn more. And if I feel that others out there are not doing the right thing, then I need to go to my teachers and tell them to and help them promote right? Because they have the knowledge. Now I'll help them promote myself. I would rather be behind the scenes. And I've, I've come back from that road. Uh, Alhamdulillah. All right. Um, and even this podcast is more beneficial for others. And I feel like it'll benefit. It's more benefit. And all the advice that I, I take for myself first and foremost, because yeah. it's, it's, that's what we have to do. We have to take our own advice. Uh, and that's introspection, right? We, where you look inside of yourself and you fix yourself. Yeah. So, as far as Instagram reciters, let's call them that, because I was I have a whole thread on Twitter for this too. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty extensive. Uh, so, the 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 purpose of reciting, uh, and and this there's a, there's a Facebook post. I don't know if you saw it. It was, why do people post their recitations? Uh, I think you've, yeah, probably it's it's been circulated over and over. It's by Sheikh Alamgur Ali. I think so. Yeah. 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 So so. So why do people post their recitations? Um, so that's my question to you, and that's your open floor to answer this question. <laughs> so look, uh, first of all, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, look, when it comes to this kind of, I would guess the broader kind of question would be, why do people self-promote themselves? All right. Mm. Why, why, why is there self-promotion taking place when it comes to the Quran in particular? Right. Yeah. Let's put aside, you know, advice and uh, promoting your your work and so on and so forth. That's a yeah. different discussion. But when it comes to the Quran itself or self-promotion, when it comes to the Quran, me personally, I find it very problematic. Right. Mm. Um, and I kind of use this for myself. So this is for no one to kind of judge other people. Um, I kind of use this for myself. I, I never, ever promote my recitation, right? Yeah. I've done it a few times in the past and I've regretted it. 
um i as in people have asked me why don't you you need to post more of your recitation and you need to you know uh, some people have even requested me to record the entire quran i'm thinking why why do you need my recitation you got mm -hmm. so many amazing recitals out there who am i right mm -hmm. as in yeah okay you know if you enjoy my recitation alhamdulillah but there's many people that read far far better than me and then the, the funny thing is when i direct them to to listen to certain qura they they enjoy it and they're like, oh, you know what? Jazakallah for, for advising me. And I'm thinking, yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> As in, why do you need to listen to five rest? Who, who am I? Right? You got the Imams of Haram who are amazing. You know, you got so many yeah. Qurra from Egypt and so on and so forth. So, look, when it comes to self promotion, I have always found it very, very pro problematic, um, especially when it comes to the Quran. Um, however, having said that, I would like to be balanced when it comes to this discussion. Mm. It all goes down to in intention, right? And, and, uh, and this is why it's a very interesting kind of discussion because intention is something which is internal and you can't use it to judge other people because you don't know what the intention is, right? It reminds me of the hadith where uh, I think it was Ali radiallahu anhu or one of, the, one of the companions, I think it was Ali radiallahu anhu that um, he, they were in a battle and uh, he struck one of, the, one of the enemies and the enemy was was on the floor and uh, he was about to strike him and he said uh, this enemy who was on the floor he said la ilaha illallah mm -hmm. right yeah. la ilaha illallah why to allah knows best okay so this is the whole point allah knows best why he said la ilaha illallah but the sahabi he interpreted that and said and thought to himself, he's he, he's only saying that to save himself, because he doesn't want to die. He knows that this is the end of him now, right? So he killed him anyway, right? When the Prophet ﷺ found out, he he reprimanded this companion, and he asked him, why did you do that? He said that, oh, Messenger of Allah, he only said La ilaha illallah to save himself, right? So the Prophet ﷺ, he says, Halla why didn't you split open his heart right to check his intention yeah this is like a the prophet said it in a reprimanding way that how do you know the point he's trying to make is how do you know what his intention was why didn't you open his chest open his heart and see what his intention is so the point being is we don't know what the intention of if you want to call them instagram reciters right we don't know what the intention is and I would say this, that in and of itself, reciting beautifully, promoting it, it can be very, very dangerous. It's a very dangerous path to go down because very easily shaitan can deceive you, uh, especially in this day and age of technology and social media and so on and so forth. But in and of itself, I wouldn't say it is impermissible, okay? Um, because we have a narration of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari where one day he was sitting in the masjid and he was reciting Quran and Abu Musa, if you know anything about Abu Musa, you know that he had a very beautiful voice. Yeah, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari was a companion known for his beautiful voice. So he was reciting Quran beautifully and the wives of the Prophet وسلم, they overheard him and they were listening to him. So when the Prophet ﷺ came home, they told him about the beautiful recitation of um, Abu Musa. Anhu. 
So the next day, Abu Musa radiallahu anhu was informed by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa of this. So what did Abu Musa say? Abu Musa radiallahu anhu said that, O oh, Messenger of Allah, if I knew that the mothers of the believers were listening to me, I would have beautified my recitation even more. Hmm. Right? So now based on this, we learn that, okay, reciting beautifully so that people enjoy the Quran is not something bad. Yeah. Right? The Prophet himself encouraged us to recite beautifully. But the problem is, I would say, I'm more inclined to not doing it. I'm more strict when it comes to this because that context was very different, right? If you're, if you're going to use that for yourself, you have to be on the same level of sincerity of Abu Musa radiallahu anhu, mm -hmm. right? Now, who can say that, okay, my intention is as pure as Abu Musa al-Ashari radiallahu anhu. Yeah. They had the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa with them to give them the tarbiyah. Right. Who do you have? <laughs> right. And obviously, more problematic is the whole the, the whole uh, culture of social media never existed at that time. Social media is all about competition. now. It's all about followers. It's all about likes. Right. The dopamine effect that we get psychologically when, when people like our recitation, when people follow us, when people comment beautiful recitation, when people, you know, uh, tag us on their on their stories and so on and so forth. They didn't have to deal with that back in those days. Right. We have to deal with all of this, all of the negatives that come along with self-promotion. So wow. this is why I, I, I have always found it very problematic to promote your recitation. But like I said, this is kind of a guideline that I use for myself. I know I don't sit here and start judging, oh, why is that guy, you know, promoting his recitation? Uh, Allah knows his intentions. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. Some people make very pure intentions, mm. right? So some people's lives change because they've, they've, they've heard beautiful recitation. Mm. So everyone's intention is, but, but like I said, it is a very dangerous path. And mm. this is why I've always kind of stayed away from that. And when it comes to general self-promotion, self-promotion of your platform, your personality, and becoming a public figure online, becoming a celeb, right? Uh, an, an Islamic celebrity, right? I, I'm also very against that as well. As in, I used to have a public page um, not too long ago, actually. And, uh, you know, I had, alhamdulillah, quite a decent following. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say a large following, but a, a decent following, right? I had about six, 700 followers. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it was the usual, the usual da'wah page or, you know, Insta seller page where I used to post my reminders, I used to post my lectures and so on and so forth. Mm. But there was always this inner feeling of guilt inside of me that would never, ever go away. And I believe this was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Eventually what happened is I, after Ramadan, I took, a, I was very active in Ramadan. I was doing a lot of courses, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of lectures and so on and so forth. Um, after Ramadan, I kind of took a break from everything. And this kind of one week, two week break, I, you know, really thought to myself, why am I actually, why do I even have a page? Why do I have a YouTube channel, right? Why do I have a, uh, you know, uh, why am I posting reminders? To the extent that SubhanAllah, I would think to myself, as in, am I even acting upon anything that I'm, I, I'm promoting, right? As in, if, see, if we are not, if a person who has a public social media account, you know, promoting his work and so on and so forth, a sheikh, etc., an ustad, if, if that person, if a student of knowledge or a, or a public figure is not spending more time on himself and how much he can benefit upon the reminders that he is publicizing, 
then he shouldn't be posting right and this is this this is my take my my perspective on this right mm. there should be more efforts unfortunately so much effort is put on algorithms and you know uh, promotions hashtags, uh, yeah. hashtags this that right that all oh, can you can can you tag me on your post because i can get more followers as in why do you need more followers right <coughs> as uh, sheikh hassan ali hafizahullah uh, right one of my one of my uh, seniors Mm. He, he he said on on uh, in one of his lectures um, that you can have all the likes in the world, right? But if it is not, if Allah does not like what you did, right? Then that doesn't that that doesn't mean mean anything, right? But yeah. you can have no likes. But if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala likes that likes what you did, then that's more beloved than a million likes. Mm. Okay. So even when it comes to self promotion, I myself I stepped down from. You know, becoming this public figure, I I've never liked it, right? I've I've always preferred being low key. I've always preferred being, you know, just a normal individual trying to better himself. And obviously, look, you got to bring benefit to people. You know, the knowledge that you have, as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, he encouraged that you know, right? That uh, convey from me, even if it is a verse. So there has to be a balance, of course. But having an entire kind of effort to promote yourself and making that your primary concern how many followers you have how many likes you have is very problematic very very problematic so this is why i took the decision to close my public page i have a you know a personal account where i i have family and friends and so on and so forth but i don't have a public page i deleted my youtube channel as well um because i felt that it was interfering too much with my with, with my intention right with my sincerity and uh, what you mentioned about you know alain and so on and so forth is very true right uh, as in uh, another thing that kind of really hit me was that look there are people who are far far more knowledgeable than me right i'm a no one right i've studied a six year course alhamdulillah right i've studied wherever i could but i know that there's so much more that i need to study that i that i continue to study if i look at my teachers i see them as mountains and i'm i'm barely a hill right mm. i'm not even i'm not even the the foot on that mountain subhanallah and do they have public do they have uh, you know public pages do people know them are they concerned about followers etc so if people who are far more knowledgeable than me are not promoting their work then who am i mm. so th th this is the way i i kind of look at it and so i've got a very kind of you know st strict interpretation when it comes to self promotion in general mm. when it comes to social media subhanallah <clears throat> during that time you were talking to me uh, i think accidentally was there just started calling me <laughs> this is awkward but um the uh and, and then sheikh hassan also he mentioned on his uh it was funny here he said on the podcast on the Feud podcast he was like how do you know shaitan hasn't liked your post yeah like yeah. it's if you have that many likes imagine who you don't know <laughs> Like, because a person, uh, my brother is really into like neuroscience and all these things. He said that you can only really know 200 people by name and face. That's it. Okay. More than that, your brain can't process. Right. And if you do, then like you forget some and you remember some. Right. So just that number and that threshold, if you try to cross, what are you doing? You know, and then how <coughs> can you be sure that, you know, every single person I deleted, like, and I used to have the public page, but like I kept my same account. I just changed the name and stuff uh, and I made it like, I think private. Yeah. But then I deleted 400 of them 
because I didn't know them. And think about that. Like I had the same like 650, 700, and I deleted 400 because I just didn't know who they were. Like imagine who you just don't know, <laughs> you know? And uh, subhanAllah. And uh, it just came to my mind that, um, you know, you're a little bit ill. Uh, you. Uh... I'm just going to get some water here. Just give me one second. Yeah, no issue, no issue. No. So, alhamdulillah, you, uh, you mentioned a lot of good points um, on just, just really working on your intentions. Yep. Now, if someone is in this road of trying to uh, go on this road of trying, you know, on Instagram and all these things. So where mm -hmm. does, where does the line come where they say, I have to work on my intentions. And, and I think I've, I've mentioned this countless times before as well, where someone, uh, one of my teachers, he said that, you know, you have to continue to watch your intentions, especially when you're doing the act. Yeah. Right. Um, because you can fall into Ria. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and if you want to share a little bit of, you know, uh, light on, uh, what Riyah and what Kibr, and if there's a Hadith or anything that you can share. Yeah. So as in, when it comes to uh, intention, as in, like you said, you need to question yourself, right? And, uh, why are you posting that reminder? Number one, number two, another kind of good guideline that people can use is, um, are you acting upon that reminder that you are promoting, right? Are you constantly bettering yourself? Have you seen an improvement in your akhlaq? Have you seen an improvement in your a'mal? If not, then again, problematic, right? Now, when it comes to riya and kibar, <clears throat> how do we define arrogance? How do we define showing off? Obviously, showing off, you know, is uh, doing it for fame, yeah, doing it for the likes, doing it for the followers, right? So this is going back to questioning yourself why are you doing it are you doing it do you do you do you feel that i shouldn't have posted this reminder because i didn't get enough likes or enough enough follows if that's the case then again your intention is problematic right um and when it comes to kibr kibr the prophet sallallahu defined it he said al kibru batarul haqqi wa ghamtun nas and another narration wa ghamsun nas he says that arrogance is to reject the truth and look down on the people, right? So if by promoting your work, you are looking down on people that, you know, you guys don't know anything, I know everything, right? Then again, that is problematic. If you're developing this, if you're, if you're feeding your ego and you're constantly massaging your ego whenever you are promoting your work, then again, that is problematic, right? So this is kind of the line that we can draw that uh, constantly ask yourself, why are you promoting? As in, there used to be times where I used to read a beautiful hadith. I used to read a beautiful quote from one of the pious predecessors. And the first thing that used to come to my mind is I need to post this because this will get loads of likes. Mm. Right. But then I stopped myself there. Right. Because I'm a person who I'm, I'm very critical towards myself. I stopped myself there and I said, okay, why, why do I want to promote this? Right. Whereas the first, the, the first, the first thought should come in our mind. If we were sincere, the first thought should be, how can I act upon this? Not how can I promote this, right? Obviously, we share the knowledge, but first of all, you act upon the knowledge yourself, okay? Mm. So this is, I believe, this is, this is how you can draw the line when it comes to uh, social media. Oh, subhanAllah. 
and you know you know, you know you're talking about uh, how how you can only personally get to know 200 people and i believe that's very true okay uh, you were saying you were saying yeah so 200 people you get to know them right mm. and let's say you have thousands of people on your instagram accounts you don't know any of them yeah they don't know about you they're not going to come to your help when you're in need right therefore my perspective has always been i would rather spend that effort developing meaningful relationships yeah mm. with my students and so on and so forth right so for me how i look at it now my perspective has changed dramatically in one year i would rather give advice to my students to one two individuals then give advice to 500 people mm. the reason being is because i don't know those 500 people i don't know how they're going to act upon that knowledge i don't know anything about them whether they need this advice or not whereas with my students i know them all personally i know what issues they go through i know what their weaknesses are i know what advice to give them i can tailor that advice to their needs mm. right and i can follow up that advice whether they are acting upon it or not yeah can and and this is what the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would do he would de he developed meaningful relationships with the sahaba and this is why whenever he would advise them right they would be moved it would change their lives and this is what we need to concentrate on we need to concentrate on meaningful relationships otherwise it's just a superficial relationship that we are developing on social media we don't know any one of our followers we may know a few people here and there but the majority of our followers we don't know and again that can be problematic as well hmm. subhanallah ustad haris we had some amazing conversations uh it was a blessing to have you here it was truly, truly an honor to have you here um i i hope to you know learn more from you and and to inshallah. seek more and uh, inshallah we can benefit from each other um, so inshallah that is good for today alhamdulillah um if there's anything else you have uh you can no, Jazakallah for inviting me. It was, it was an honor to be here. I really enjoyed it as well. Barakallah. Ayah Talib al Ilmi, Kumla Tanam, Vain Zaman and Kadawan Saram.